Now look at Revelation chapter number 2. I'm going to preach a message today about after the fire is gone. After the fire is gone. By the way, Sister Sheila was singing that song, and she was talking, and then the song was about the heart. I'll be talking about the heart this evening. The message will be, there goes my heart again. That'll be this evening, but we'll hold off on that one. Revelation chapter 2, please stand please as we read the first seven verses. This is, of course, the church at Ephesus. <clears throat> and here's what Jesus said. He said unto the angel on the church of Ephesus, write. Now, by the way, he's talking to John. So keep that in mind. He said unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. These things saith he that, that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou cannot bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this then thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask your blessings upon me today as I present this message. I pray, Lord, it won't really be my message. It's your message. I'm only a tool to present it. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you lead, guide, direct my lips of clay to speak the words that need to be heard. I pray you'll bless these folks. If anybody is here lost without Christ, that he or she will leave with Christ. And I pray, Lord, that if there's a Christian in here battling Satan and having a hard time, I pray that he or she will get those things right with the Lord. I just pray your will to be done. But most important of all, I pray that your name will be uplifted and you will be exalted. And we pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit to be obvious in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to be using several scriptures today, but you don't have to turn to them. I have them written out. And by the way, I'm going to be honest with you. For some odd reason here lately, I've been having trouble with my eyes. I don't know what it is. The other day I was driving from church. It was Sunday night. I was driving home on Interstate 85. I drive on three interstates to go to church. I drive on Interstate 40, 73, and 85. I'm, they all connect together. But anyway, I was driving down the highway, and things were looking blurry. And I could see one car ahead of me, but I looked, when I looked at it, it looked like two cars. Uh, you know, it was awful. So I, so I put a, made an experiment. I covered my left eye, and when I covered my left eye, everything became clear. 
So there must be cataracts in my left <laughs> eye. That's what I'm expecting. However, I've got good news for you. Come Wednesday, or no, 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 Thursday, next week, I'm going to the eye doctor and find out what's going on around here. I may wind up having to wear glasses all the time. I don't know. I hope not, but if I do, so be it. I do have to wear glasses to read, and sometimes when I'm reading this stuff, it doesn't come out well, and I miss it. So if I make blunders and mistakes, please forgive me. That's the problem is my eyes. It gives me a hard time. Now listen, the church at Ephesus was very alive and sound in doctrine. Now note that. That was a live church, sound in doctrine. They had the right doctrine. I mean, it was free will Baptist doctrine. They had it right. But they were deficient in love. All right, now, there was a time when the fire was ablaze. Look at chapter 2 here, verse 3. It says, And hast borne, and hast patience, and for my namesake has labored, and hast not fainted. Now, we'll deal with the word born in just a little while. Just hang on. Now, jump down to verse number 6. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So, as you can see, they were on fire for God. They really were. They had the right doctrine, and they were doing the right things. They had all the right programs, as it were. But there was something wrong with the church. We'll, do, we'll deal with that in a little bit. Of the cities of these seven churches that... that Jesus was, was talking about all these churches here. Ephesus was one of the largest ones. And by the way, today in modern times, it is now modern Turkey, which is between the Black Sea in, in the north and the Mediterranean Sea in the south. So when you see Turkey on the map, that's where Ephesus was at that time, okay? Now, the angel of the church of Ephesus was the messenger of the, or the pastor of that church. Now, there are some people who think and believe that this is a literal angel, per se, but you've got to understand something. Here's where the English messes up. The Greek word is agelos, and it's sometimes translated angel, sometimes it's translated messenger, and either one is correct. It means messenger. Now, who is the messenger of the church? the pastor. So I take it that way. Now, if you take it the other way and believe it's a literal angel, I am not going to fuss with you. Uh, it's all right with me. I don't care because it has nothing to do with your salvation. Isn't that great? You know, we can have different opinions about the second coming of Christ, whether you're amillennials, premillennials, postmillennials, whatever. And yet, even though we may disagree on that stuff, whoever is wrong, it will not affect their salvation. I'm so thankful for that. So we can walk arm in arm and be happy together, despite the fact that we may disagree. Now, some attributes of Christ are seen in verse 1 and verse 2. Attributes of Christ. In verse 1, it mentions the omnipotence or the all-powerful God. God is omnipotent. Now, let me explain that word, please. I want you to learn something today. The word omni is talking about all. Potence here is talking about strength and energy and so on. And so, on. so God is all powerful. You know that, don't you? He can do anything as long, as long as it doesn't interfere with his holiness. Now, he can't lie, can't cheat, and you don't have to worry about him lying to you. He always tells the truth. It says in verse 1, 
These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Now that takes a whole lot of power to do that. He was holding the seven stars. Now you may ask the question, well, who are the stars? That doesn't make sense. Well, the stars, I take note that the word stars is in the plural. So that's talking about all the stars of the seven churches. The seven stars, in essence, are the seven angels. Now, if you don't believe me, look at chapter 1, verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. And by the way, the candlesticks would be the churches. The seven stars are, now watch it, the angels of the seven churches. And the seven churches which thou sawest are, I mean the seven candlesticks, are the seven churches. So chapter 1 and verse 30 tells you exactly and precisely who the stars are. And the angel too, for that matter, you get the idea, it's the pastor of the church. All right, now this is a symbol of the mighty strength of Almighty God. Now then, another thing that you see about the Lord, another attribute of the Lord God, is His omnipresence. Omnipresence, that's O-M-N-I-P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E -E. All presence. That means He's everywhere at all times. He's everywhere. And by the way, you can't hide from God. You can hide your sins from man, but you're not going to hide your sins from God. He sees everything and knows all things. It says in verse uh, 1 also, who walketh in the midst of the seven candlesticks. So he is in the presence of these seven churches. By the way, he's here too, by the way. And right now, even though I'm not there, Sheridan Park Church in Greensboro, he's there too. And that's a great thing to know. He's everywhere. No, so not only is he present, but active as he walks in the midst of the churches. Now take note, the word walketh here is in the in a tense, and since it means continuously walking. So that means he's in the midst of the church, and he's operating. He's in action. And then verse 2 says, I know. And that indicates right there his, his, his knowing all things, which shows his omniscience. Now the word omniscience is spelled M-O-N-I, and then write the word science. What is science? Knowledge. So it means he's all knowledge. He knows all things. All things. There's nothing he doesn't know. As a matter of fact, he knows already the day that you're going to pass away. We don't know it, but he knows. He already knows how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and so on. He knows all that stuff. Already way in advance. Now, the first thing I want you to see here in Revelation chapter 2 are located in verses 2 and 3, his divine recognition. Now, take note that he notices the good things about this wonderful church. And that was a good church overall. It really, it's, it's a type of church that any conservative, God-loving pastor would like to have as his church to pastor. But anyway, first of all, are the works. It says in verse 2, I know thy works. Now watch it. Now their works 
means their deeds, what they did. Jesus knew of their actions and behavior for which he noticed the church. He commended the church. Aren't you glad that even though we do things wrong and God forgives us, but the things we do right, he takes note of and gives you credit for it. So he worked the works here. Secondly, the labor. Now you say, what's the difference in works and labor? There is a slight difference. Hold on, I'll tell you in a minute. Now this church was commended for their toiling and weariness. There was weariness in the labor for him. Let's be honest. Working for the Lord in this world is not really simple. And by the way, some people think that if you get saved, all your problems are gone. Oh, boy. I think all of you folks who are saved know better than that. Sometimes it seems like you have more troubles. The devil's going to see to it. Now, the third thing that that Jesus commends this church for is patience. He said, and thy patience, here in verse 2. Now, this was the church's endurance or perseverance. They persevered. By the way, this church was in the midst of great tribulation from the Roman Empire. Oh, may I say something to you? I've been reading some things about other countries where Christians are being persecuted. It's coming here. All right, now, the fourth thing is despising of sin. This church hated sin. And there's so many churches today that don't. You remember John Wesley, who started a certain church? If he were to come back, he'd die all over again. He'd have a heart attack. That church is not what it was when he started it. Uh, I'm telling you why. Because they've included sin in their churches. And there are some churches, by the way, who have removed songs from the songbook that has anything to do with the blood. Uh, Folks, you got to stand firm and and know that sin is still sin today as it was a long time ago. Uh, Now, this is 2021. Back in 1951, there was sin. And that sin then is still sin today. It never changes. The Bible is never changes. God never changes. Now the world changes in, in such a way that it's not good. Now, in other words, they would not endure those that were evil. Isn't that what we need today? We need another church like Ephesus, at least as far as that's concerned. Another thing, they were guilty of exposing sin. I mean, they exposed it. It's kind of a place today you you might get shot if you expose sin, certain sins anyway. It says in verse 2, And this thou hast uh, and this thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. And they admit that, by the way. The word apostles is talking about those who are commissioned by Christ to do miraculous powers. And by the way, the ministry of apostleship no longer exists. There's nobody who has the power that those 12 apostles had at that time. It's different. We need to understand that. All right, forbearance is another one. 
another. That's the sixth one as far as divine recognition is concerned. In chapter 3, it says, and thou hast borne, B-O-R-N-E. Now, what does that mean? That means they abstained from sin despite the circumstances around them, and they endured. They were born, that means endured it anyway, and hast patience, and for my name's sake, has labored. All right, now the mighty Roman Empire was causing all kinds of difficulties to the church, and the Ephesus, Ephesian church did not go along with that stuff. They stayed firm and committed to the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he also says in verse 3, to not be weary. It says there, and hast not fainted. That word faint is to be weary. Don't you sometimes get weary in this work? You can't help but do that. Why is it that in one place, God says be weary, commends him for it, in another way, not to be weary? That sounds like a contradiction. Well, listen, earlier he commended the church for being, or commanded, rather, commended, rather, the church for being weary. He said that's the thing to do. But here he commended them for not being weary. Now let me give you an illustration, okay? Now listen to me. There was a guy by the name of Dwight L. Moody. Ever heard of him? <laughs> sure you have. He came home one day totally exhausted. He'd been on one of his uh, campaigns. He came home and he was totally exhausted. And his wife begged him not to go to the next campaign. But listen what D.L. Moody said. He made this statement. I grow weary in the work, but not of the work. Amen. You get weary while you're doing it. But as far as the work is concerned itself, you're not weary. You see, that's, there's no contradiction, and that's what he means here. All right, so it's very important to realize that. All right, now I want you to see the divine reproof in verse 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now, the fire of love had gone out. That's the problem. The fire was gone. After the fire is gone, then your love for Jesus de depreciates. The fire, as a noun, is the passion of love and hot affection. But as a verb, it is the active flame that gives life or spirit. Now, we should be on fire for the Lord. If you don't love the Lord like you ought to, the fire has dwindled. So after the fire is gone, you become miserable and you lose your contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't say you lost your salvation. I didn't say that. But you lose your contact with him sometimes. Jesus warned in Matthew 24, 12. Now, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Jesus prophesied that this would happen. And it was happening in the Ephesian church, and it's happening in the modern church today overall. More and more, by the way. I get sick. Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus is talking. 
Another thought in that verse is that this love has grown cold, but not dead. I want you to note something. In verse 4, uh, verse 5 rather, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Verse 4, thou hast left thy first love. By the way, it does not say they lost it. Did you hear that? They didn't lose it. They left it. There is a difference. They left it. I tell you, when you read the Bible, read every word carefully. I'm, sometimes you have to look it up in the Hebrew or the Greek. And I do a heap a lot of, 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 of word study. I find word study is so important when you're reading the Bible. Now, Revelation 2.4 says, is saying that the church in Ephesus had left her first love. But I'm so thankful they had not lost their first love. The continual battle with heretics had caused these Christians in Ephesus to ignore their responsibility to cultivate love and fellowship with each other. Their zeal had dwindled, and that can happen in a good church, by the way. They were less concerned about carrying out the commands of Christ. They didn't retain that strong affection for God and things that are sacred. That's happening in our churches today. Be on guard. Be on the lookout. By the way, uh, Brother Jimmy, I don't think would allow this church to go that direction. So follow his leadership. Okay? I, I mean that. Be careful. Now, the church had left for intense and enthusiastic, enthusiastic devotion to the person of Christ. They had left that. Ephesus was a great city which had many attractions, but were beginning to be drawn, drawing believers away from their first love for Christ. Don't let the things of this world, even the good things, affect your church attendance, your Bible study, your prayer time. Be cautious of that. I'll be honest with you, there have been times that, that I've been tempted to do that. Uh, you need to be careful about that. Let God, the Lord Jesus Christ, be first, foremost in your life. The family even comes after that. I know some friends in Kernersville. No, they live actually in Soakdale, but that's not the point. They've got a daughter who plays softball, and she's good at it. I mean, she hits home runs. matter of fact, I was told the other day she hit, hit her 10th home run the other day. You know where they are right now? Myrtle Beach. Playing ball. You see what I mean? Now, they're not confessing Christians anyway. I tell you the truth, I don't know if they're saved or not. I hope they are, but I don't have any guarantee of that. But they will let softball take the place of serving God. Folk, now listen, there's nothing wrong with softball. I like softball. The only thing I don't like about it is the time I remember one time I got hit on the head with one. Uh, right here, boy, is in the elementary school or junior high school, I guess it was, uh, in PE class. And I got hit on the head. But that didn't stop me from liking the game. But anyway, that's another point. Now, when one's home life and church life becomes burdensome, there's something wrong with your relationship with Christ. If you dread going to church, 
You are in a pitiful situation. I don't know about you, but I enjoy going. I was looking forward to coming here today. And if you hadn't had me here today, I'd been looking forward to going to Sheridan Park. And that's the way it ought to be, by the way. Now, this is when the fire has gone out. After the fire has gone, your love for Jesus has diminished. It's gone. And there's nothing but ashes. Doesn't mean you lost your love, but you have left it. Now, very quickly, let's look at the divine remedy found in verse 5. He says, verse 5, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. So in verse 5, the first point is remember. Remember what it was like when you really were on fire for God. And go back to that. That's what he's talking about. Remember. All right. Secondly, he says, repent. What does repent mean? That means to have a U-turn. That means you have a different attitude towards sin and towards God. And you begin to go the way of the Lord rather than the way of the world. You just have a, a, a U-turn and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, he says, return. In other words, do thy first works. That's what he says in verse number five. Jesus wants the church to go back to a level of relationship with him. Incidentally, Christianity is more than a religion. It's a relationship to Christ Jesus. And that's so, so important to realize. Now, what are the results of not repenting? You know where the Ephesian church is today? Nowhere. Because they did not follow through. I'm talking about a church that was on fire for God at one time. Now it's dead, gone, doesn't even exist anymore. It's gone, totally gone, and we don't want that today. Many of our churches, Free Will Baptist churches, other churches as well, are closing their doors. That's gotten to be a regular thing anymore. Now, in conclusion, let's look at verses 6 and 7, and we'll close out. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, they hated sin. They hated the Nicolaitans' way of things. And what does that mean? That's talking about those that are heretics, victorious over people. And they hated that. Now, verse 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, overcometh, now watch it, will I give to each of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. God's people need fellowship with one another with Christ as head. And incidentally, may I say something else to you? We need each other. I've had some physical problems lately. And I'll be honest with you, had it not been for people praying for me from this church, Sheridan Park, and matter of fact, other churches as well that I've heard from, there's no telling what I'd be today. I'm just grateful that there are people who care, people who love. Don't ever lose that love for one another and certainly for the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you really love God, if you really love Jesus, and you really want to follow God's leadership, the Holy Spirit, then you will love one another. And sometimes some of you may have some, some things that you do in life that's not to your liking, you love them anyway. Amen. All of us have these quirks. 
there's certain things about all of us in one way or another that's not too hot to somebody else. But you, if, if you're born again, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you love him, you'll love that person anyway. Don't ever lose that. After the fire is gone, you're in heap big trouble. A little Indian lingo there. Let us stand.